And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. On top of Old Horror Hill, in a secret laboratory, Professor Weirdo and Count Kook were in their monstrous glory. Six drops of the essence of terror, five drops of sinister sauce. When the stirring's done, may I like the spoon? Of course, ha ha, of course. Now for the tincture of tenderness, but I must use only a touch. For without a touch of tenderness, it might destroy me. Looks too much. Better hold your breath, it's starting to tick. Better hold my hand, I'm feeling sick. Hello, Daddy. What have I done? I'm Milton, your brand new son. Video podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 171. Our guest today is a guy I first met back in 2010 at ZombieCon Seattle. Right. He interviewed me and UFC fighter Nate Corey <laughs> <laughs> about zombie fighting, and it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Um, he's a former host in po- of the podcast Geek Drum and currently hosts the podcast and news network Geekscape, which gets over 3 million combined views. Uh, uh, he's a writer, he's a producer, director, actor, ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan London. Hey, hey how are you? Hey. hey. Thanks for coming on. You're one of those people that has been on this list of mine for a long time to have on this show, because I think that you're a guy that has his finger pretty firmly on the pulse of, like, what you're, what, what, what people are watching, not just, like, those, the film journos that sit in screening rooms and pontificate about stuff, but you're out there in the, on con floors, right? Uh, yeah, I'm on I'm uh, writing, filming, um, yeah. so I, I kind of have my feet in both, uh, creating and commenting. Mm-hmm. By the way, Tom's not joking. He has his wall is covered with like photographs and red pieces of yarn tied from between <laughs> things. It looks like a serial killer's <laughs> wall. <laughs> You're what? <laughs> uh, I've had a good. I've had a good run. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, just make it fast. When you start start crossing people off that list, you know, I'm good. I'd be honored. I'm interested um, because uh, unlike, I mean, uh, you're like us. You're, 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 uh, in in a sense, a professional fan. Yeah. On one side of things, also a filmmaker. Well, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And... um, is it like is it kind of like what we did where it's like you you have this interest and you're 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 uh building towards something and this kind of happens or is this something that you were like you know I think this is what I want to do does mm-hmm. that make sense um yeah it it um inched its way there uh from both ends i thought that um I wanted to be David Letterman when I was in high school and I thought I was going to go into broadcasting mm. and so I when I got to uh undergrad I uh I left Austin I graduated from high school was like I need to just get out of Texas and I went to school in Philly and ran the radio station within like the you know nobody wanted to run the the, the radio station at Penn 
It was like it was dead because in Philadelphia they have WXPN, which used to be the the student station. Sometime in the early eighties, one of the kids violated his show had like naked people on it or had sex stuff, and they violated uh, whatever the FCC rule was, and 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 it became WXPN, which is a huge public radio station there in the in that area. And with WXPN, everybody kind of ignored the they gave, they made up like a like a an inter you know dorm radio network and they gave that to the students and it, I didn't care I just wanted a microphone and I just wanted to pursue this idea that I was going to be on the radio one day and um, and so I just started doing radio shows and running the station and eventually after two years they gave us a show on WXPN which was re- really cool yeah um, and so broadcasting in sort of this podcasting stuff came first and it wasn't until we started to, I started telling stories on the radio uh, and we started making little shorts with a Hi8 camera not even not a Super 8 like those tape Hi8 cameras that, uh, that I got into it and decided to go to film school and so the whole time I was making shorts for film school I kept thinking you know what I still would love to do a show mm-hmm. and um, and so when I moved out here um, to LA 15 years ago um, within a within a year or two, uh, my friend Dan said, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast?" And it was 2005, November two thousand five, November two thousand five. And I said, "I don't totally know what that is, uh, <laughs> but but if it's us talking about stuff and hanging out, then let's do it." And and that was Geek Drum, and it lasted for a year. And and what the, the interesting thing about Geek Drum was that like ten or eleven episodes in, uh, sometime in like late January. Uh, early February of 2006, uh, um, I get an email after misquoting Kevin Smith from Kevin Smith, who, who's like, "Hey, I downloaded your show. Don't recall saying what you said. I said about J. Michael Straczynski's Spider-Man. Obviously, we get into the weeds. We're pretty <laughs> hardcore nerds. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to come on your show and talk to you about it. And I wrote back, "Fuck you. You're not Kevin Smith. There's no way you're Kevin Smith." And he, he, had, <laughs> and he wrote back with a link that he created. To a blog post on the old View Askew, News Askew website, if you, some of you remember that. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and he had created a blog post that just said, Jonathan, it's me, when can I come on your show? And I was like, ugh, well, next week. Nah. And, <laughs> and I remember Kevin coming in and, 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 and saying, wait, you just talk into the mics and they go into the computer and you, do you, what do you do? Like, you upload this to iTunes or what do you do? And, um, and when we told him what podcasting was, he just... I think his the first thing he said was, "Oh, I don't have to do college tours anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, within the year, he had started a, a Smodcast and, uh-huh. and his whole uh, network, and he's done well with it. He, in in the, I think a few times over the last couple of years, Kevin has been like, "Oh yeah, Jonathan's show is my first show." Uh, so you're to blame for you're all the, of you're that. The, yeah, you're the catalyst for his second career. I I am. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to take the Nazi sausage movie as a responsibility. He barely does. Tusk is not my fault. I'll take Red State. I won't take Tusk. <laughs> I th- I thought it was cool that like obviously in high school I'm I'm watching Clerks and I'm like. Wait, all you got to do is point a camera at dudes talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then he got into and they saw the podcast. He goes, "Wait, all you got to do is talk to Mike." And I thought that was, I, I thought that was really cool. I was like, "Wait a minute!" I He's mean, obviously one of the people who instigated me wanting to get into f- film. 
I talk a lot of shit about Kevin Smith because I think he's up his own ass. But well, but yeah. I also think he's one of the best ambassadors for fandom that we have out there. Well, yeah, and and the other thing about that is is no matter it's kind of like punk rock. It's like it, just like Jonathan was saying. It's like. Wait, all you got to do is this? I can do that. I can do that. It's like three chords? You can do that? I can play that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's hugely inspirational. So do you make... And and Kevin's awesome. And Kevin's been... And the the few interactions I've had with him since, like, Kevin's been nothing but cool. And I... I don't know what the Charles Band phase of his career is. Oh, like Charles Band. Like, I, I don't know what this is. And it's fine. I'm totally down with it. Um... But I was, I mean, chasing Amy and those movies. I mean, I'm even somebody who defends Jersey Girl. Like, right. like Jersey I felt Girl's like those. I felt, I, yeah, I felt like those, that was a movie about something he was really str- like dealing with. I was like, okay, this is him writing about fatherhood and working through it. And when, anytime somebody, for good or bad, throws that on the screen, I, it's worth watching because it's someone actually sharing. And right. It's the main it, line it, to the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I and I, I you know I'm not going to speak for Kevin or anything, but I worry that like the response to that movie, Jersey Girl in particular, led him to like kind of become more reclusive towards his writing, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's tough. I mean, well, you yeah, know how it is. because like everything up to that point had been gold, you know, for him as far as people. Well, you know, I, just, I know, yeah. Well, as far as response, sure, sure, sure. Right. I, I think the thing is, is that you what you call is the Charles Band period of his career, co- pretty much coincides with a podcasting and b him smoking weed. Smoking weed, yeah. Because then it's I, like I, every silly idea goes like, yeah, let's smoking. do that. Every, everything sounds good. Yeah, say that again, gentlemen. <laughs> I think I always smoked weed. Do you? <laughs> do you really? The weed was always there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, smoky boot. Yeah, it is. you know what? That's the uh, that's an element in the room, right? You think, yeah, yeah, right? You don't get through the well, clerks uh, without. Uh, uh, to, be, sure. uh, to be fair, I think that that Kevin early on was outside that world, but his buddy. Well, he's Jay clearly, yeah. Well, he's clearly was, not a drinker. The question I have is: is how does all of this um, morph into you as a filmmaker? Um, how do you do? You just decide. Well, shit, I could do this, and and just um, leap in, or or no. Be- before, let's see. So so before podcasting, I had like the year before podcasting, I had shot a, a short film. I don't know if you saw it. It was called Gay by Dawn. It was like a horror movie for homophobes, <laughs> and and I shot this horror movie because when I moved out to L.A., um, I had uh, I was a delivery driver. And I was delivering all, and it's a great. If for anybody who wants to, like, you know, any of your younger listeners who want to come out and don't, and maybe wanted to write and direct, and it's not something they're not going to get hired for for immediately. It's not a craft like you can't work as an AC. Maybe you don't want to be the DP. I just wanted to write and direct. And so for me, I wasn't going to work at an agency and do the the mailroom. Uh, I wanted to meet as many people as I could. Um, on a production level and so I started driving my car into the ground for about two years delivering packages and what it did was it got me in touch with all the assistants mm, yeah, that were yeah. everywhere smart, smart delivering stuff to them and then all the post houses mm-hmm. and as a post delivery driver like uh, TV was still kind of a, uh, was still shooting on film and some of these post houses would just give me short ends uh, from all their TV shows so nice. I ended up with a 16 millimeter film um, 
and that's kind of what we used to shoot their music videos where we shot Gary Don on film. Um, I shot a couple, yeah, a couple music videos. And then, um, so I was kind of directing the whole time. And then eventually I met, uh, like my, uh, my friend was an assistant at Fox and he looked up one day, his boss was gone. He, he had the desk, his boss had moved on to another opportunity. And, uh, and that person's now VP of, uh, one of the Fox television divisions. And sometime in 08, 09, early on in Geekscape, um, I shot two shows for them, uh, and they went to pilot presentation. There were pilot presentations. We didn't know if they were going to go on the web. We didn't know, honestly, if they were going to go to Xboxes and like like TV initiative that never got off the ground. Right. <laughs> you know, like like there was always that flirtation that Spielberg was going to do a Halo series for Xbox mm-hmm. for their Xbox's new channel, and that's the, in 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 Microsoft would have been really smart because now everybody wants a premium cable, and in the world of Hulu's and Amazon Primes and Netflix is Microsoft had it, and all they had to do was actually make the stuff that they were announcing at E3 each year, and and my two shows were supposed to be in that program, and when that didn't happen, I kind of got a little bit annoyed with like the studio idea, and I said, you know what, like Game It On was a was a short that played a ton of festivals, it got me a lot of work. I was like, let's do something like that again. But my brother had moved out out here by that time. It was 2010, 11. Uh, my brother was a WWE wrestler, and it was pretty clear that the road and the the job was going to take his body apart. Yeah. And so Paul moved out here, was pretty disenchanted with the whole idea of WWE, and and he wrestles now on Lucha Underground for Robert Rodriguez, but it's not nearly the schedule mm-hmm. Vince McMahon make as you do. Um, and so we, Paul had this idea that we developed into a thing called Hero of the Prophecy, which is a fantasy series, like a Don Coscarelli Beastmaster type thing where there's an 80s fantasy world, like a Golan Globus type <laughs> fantasy world that we all loved growing up. Yeah. Sure. And they uh, they have a prophecy hero who's going to come and save them because they're ruled by this evil wizard. And Galaxy Quest style, Three Amigos style, they see pro wrestling through this magical device and they summon a wrestler and he shows up and he's like guys it's fake <laughs> and now he has to be the hero and we shot that sizzle and we promoted it through Geekscape we had a lot of Geekscape friends in it like Doug Jones from Shape of Water was sure. our evil wizard oh wow that's so uh, cool that's very cool 2000, and then right after we did the convention Tom the ZombieCon uh, my friend Alexander Philippe um, asked me to be a part of Doc of the Dead, which is a zombie documentary that we did for Epics, right. and we premiered at South by Southwest 2014. And it's I feel really like good that, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And I mean, that documentary only came out because we, you know, Alexander asked and was like, "Would you be interested in this?" And I said, "Well," and Alexander only found me through Geekscape, and so the Geekscape stuff starts. It, it feeds each other, and and that's why when my dad is like, "How much longer are you going to keep talking to the internet?" I keep saying, "You know what, Dad." I don't know if you get it, but it totally is helping the film uh, sure. career. And yeah. that only happened... I mean, we got Simon Pegg because he had just been on Geekscape. Mm-hmm. And I was able to just send Simon a message and be like, Hey, dude, if you're here shooting Star Trek Two in L.A., you want to come over to the house and shoot an interview for this documentary we're doing? And he was very gracious and... He, and and I think that got the ball rolling to all those other guys. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that Seth, this is something Langley and I have talked about a lot here, is that we every week we get this opportunity to sit down with, with yourself and, and the other people that we've had as right. guests, and it's the opportunity, I think, to sit at someone's knee, and if nothing else, just to, to watch 
the cut of their jib and go, oh, this is this is how a person sort of operates on this level. Right. And it also forges the kind of friendships like the Simon Pegg thing you just mentioned, where yeah. you can call someone and, and and you know a hero and say, hey, come on my show and, and talk about. Well, that's that's what the happened. amazing thing about it, right? Is that like uh, you you wind up connecting well, like a convention, mm-hmm. you wind up connecting with somebody that wh- whose work you admire mm-hmm. and has a similar interest as you. And the next thing you know, you're working on something together, whether it's uh, uh, an right. episode of the podcast or, or anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 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 Yeah. 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 I think it's it's, it's allowed access, and and um and, and it gives you something to give back to them. Mm-hmm. Like like you're not just asking them for their time; you're helping them promote something, you're giving them uh you know a platform. And we're all talking about things that we love, and and I think. Geekscape really started as a as a movie reviews show, or like a you know we're talking about video games and comics and and reviewing that stuff. But in the last few years, it's kind of just been like okay, we're just going to talk to storytellers, and that's been the most exciting thing for me is having indie filmmakers, big filmmakers, where at whatever, or comic book creators, anything. And we're just talking about craft and story, mm-hmm. which is what makes me, well, that's what's so exciting to me is like, hey, what's the psychology behind all this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> because we talk, we're all getting our demons out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. We, we, we talked a lot about process here. Yes, about, process. You know, the idea of taking something from blank page to finished product. And I think... It's the scariest shit ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not laying brick, and I know it's not laying brick, but um, I teach college once or twice a week, and when I tell my students, I say, hey, man, just know that if you were to go to law school, med school, there are books that will tell you what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Here, you are making blind leaps every time you put a word down, and you have to, and you have to grow the confidence to do that. And um, and you can have creative paralysis really easy because the only resources you're really trudging up is all your shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I would say my like those two shows at Fox, the one that was personal to me, like it didn't work because. I didn't want to put my shit out there, and so it wasn't funny. It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't mean. It wasn't funny. It wasn't personal. It didn't work, and um, and so I was like, "Oh, that's what happens when you play it safe. Right. You make something. I've, you make something completely pure. All like that's lame." I've been. I, I more and more uh, as I get older, I, I've become more and more convinced that. It really and 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 this sounds like I don't know. It's like this sounds like a kumbaya moment, but the more and. More and more, the, or, or the 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 less you worry about what the market is, mm-hmm. and you just do what you love. I really do think that that is where success lies. Um, well, I think it saves you from your work being contrived, yeah. like being being pitched to a yeah. to an audience that you because you've already lumped them into a box. You kind of clearly don't respect right. them. You, you, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And nobody, regardless of what. Um, but I think also the studios will say nobody wants to be pandered to. But I also think it's the difference between why are you why are you in this? Are you in it to make a million dollars? Right. Are you or are you in it to to pour your heart out to tell your a, story? Yet yeah. it's an industry that can't help but but risk mitigate by watching by like checking each other's homework. Mm-hmm. So you get wrapped up sometimes in the race to check other people's homework. And when have you ever checked other people's homework? When have you ever copied somebody else's test? to right. do it and this is an industry that wants to make stuff 
that was successful the year before. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wants to, I mean, it's trying to run like the Ford assembly plant uh, line and it, it's not designed. It's not. It's not a process that works like the Ford assembly line. No matter right. how much those fuckers try to make it so. Mm-hmm. So when you get wrapped up in it, it's really. I mean, it's obviously easy to get seduced in this stuff. And uh, there's so many people in the industry that are are kind of kissing your ass. You know what I mean? And and and, tr- and trying to facilitate you in all the wrong ways, right? Yeah, sense? or you or you get wrapped up in the in the in the butt kiss. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and you look up and like. Like you know, there there's meetings when you there with people, and they're like, "Oh, this is what we're looking for," and I'm like, "Yeah, but this is all the crap that was, that's this is all the stuff that is popular right now, or just won the box office." And by the time I finish the script, it's gonna be six months from now. By the time we get this thing greenlit, if the earliest is gonna be a year from now, mm-hmm. and by the time we get this thing wrapped in front of an audience, it's gonna be two years from now. So, fuck off! <laughs> like, like, this is, like, like I don't want to make a contained horror film. Like no offense to the contained horror film genre, but 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 it's very risk mitigated to be like okay, we're gonna have one location, limited cast, right? And we're in in that. I mean, I totally get it. You don't have to do company moves that extend your shoot, right? You don't have to. You don't have to. You know that it can. It's like it's a dominoes type script. You can let cast go as they go. Like there's so many production elements that are so friendly to those things, but story wise. No. you're pretty much telling like a c- certain type of story and um i don't know i don't know man it, it's it's not a growth story i mean it's it's like does that make sense like it's a, yeah, it's a story it's a I story where you're it's a dominoes act absolutely right. i think in all of this stuff you you wind up chasing the train as opposed to driving it exactly because you don't you don't get you know like you don't get something like Shape of Water from a group think. That's one guy pushing right. something forward. Right, right, so, right, right. Um, so what I, I figured since we had you here, I wanted to run some pop sort of pop culture, film culture things by you. I want to get your take on them and just sort of kick them around if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, I want to start with uh, the collectible market. Over the years, you see at cons like people buying things to complete collections, and now you see people, you know, putting limits on signing and that kind of stuff. How much of that influences the tone of of fandom? I mean, if 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 a Star Wars toy does well, they push that that sort of forward in the marketing, correct? Yeah, or if it, or if they have a breakout character, right. You know, it's like, oh, this character is popular. We didn't anticipate that. Um, I, you know what? The only thing that I collect is comic books. I still collect printed comics, and when I have a hole in my collection, I still seek out that issue. Um, when we have signings at our booth at Comic Con, um, and if your listeners are coming to Comic Con, come by the booth. Um, uh, you know, it does get away from. It does get unmanageable very quickly, so there's a lot of. It's tough because because I, I, I'm a fan and I'm an exhibitor, and I see things from both sides. And we've had times when San Diego has been like, "You've got to manage your line," because because uh, there's just a crowd sitting there, and it becomes you know a hazard. Mm-hmm. People, it needs to be every con floor has to be fluid, and when you we're talking about uh, caps. On on signings, or are we talking about uh, when when people pre-sell signings? 
Well, that's another topic I want to get to. I, initially, I was talking about um, um, the angle of, of people who are... I'm losing my train of thought now. Um, who are are there... Yeah, the breakout to, character. Go ahead. Well, they want to eBay, or they want to eBay this Exactly. Stuff. Exactly. Uh, I've seen my brother, like... Walking out of an arena, refuse like, and he'll say, "Listen, I I'm not signing that." Mm-hmm. It, you know, some kid will have some toy that was printed from you know from the WWE stuff, and and my brother will just say, "Listen, like I I'm not gonna sign that because you're just gonna turn around and eBay it." And um, I think <laughs> I think what he said was, "I'll, I'll sign it if you open it." <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is all he's like. Listen, if you're gonna play with that, like I'll sign the the, the cardboard if you open it, you know. And I think I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know what, like that that secondary market is. I I don't inv- I don't like I don't invest it. I know I don't know what I'm gonna do with my thousands and thousands and thousands of comic books. Mm. I took a photo in front of my house a few years ago of all my comic book boxes. I pulled them all out of the garage and I I put them in. in a, you couldn't see the garage. Yeah. I just had them in my driveway and it was a wall. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well the apocalypse will be a little easier this way, but at the same time, like, like this is the, what am I gonna do with all this stuff? And I, I haven't answered that question because the secondary market to me feels like it's dropping out, and mm-hmm. and I don't know how much there is, and it's not like eBay helps. Like eBay, you try to sell stuff on eBay, and it doesn't ever sell for the amount you want. Right. Um, so I I think that it, I think that it goes in the same kind of waves that uh, that any of these fads go in, and um, and I unless you're just going to be at Frankenstein's here in LA, which is a big convention in city of industry every sunday mm-hmm. or in saturday like unless you're going to be there you like every saturday it, i don't see how it's sustainable the people who are there pretty much own comic book stores right so right. during the so during the week they're selling comics and the comics industry will do this thing where it's like if you order 50 issues of a book the 51st issue will be a gold foil special one and that's the one that they take to frankenstein's so sure. like that that 51st issue and and so I, th- I think I don't, I don't know. I think it. I don't think it's worth it. I think I, the people who are involved in it use it as as like side money. But I don't see, think the side money is anywhere near the hustle. Well, mm-hmm. see, and for me, I and and I'm not. I don't collect a lot of stuff. Um, for me, like the whole idea of a secondary market as far as collecting goes is bullshit. You collect stuff because you love it. And I read these comics. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's like. I don't want to. I don't want to resell this shit. I like. Right. I I have it because I love it, and uh, you know, whenever I die, uh, it goes to my son. And if he likes it, puts it on eBay. Well, it, well, yeah. If he likes it, great. And if not, then he can do whatever he wants with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Use the as an ashtray, and the rest I will put on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the um. The, here's the thing, and, and you can always make more money, folks. You can't make more time, and the time and effort you were spending, you were spending days out of your life. To try and sell this dusty stuff, when I just worry that you're gonna look up on your deathbed and be like, "Why did I sit in a convention center trying to pawn off a toy <laughs> right. when I could outside in the sun?" Because there's there's only one true value in this world, and it's time. Exactly. But it's a way for these some people who I want to put this and not sound like a dick, people who aren't creative to 
to to, well, to deal in creativity. Correct? Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. This weekend, right now, uh, one of my favorite conventions in the world, Monster Palooza, is happening. Yes. Right now, in Pasadena, and I, when I would go to Monster Palooza, I'd meet these people who, uh, this is their life, and they weren't there to gather uh, signatures and things to resell. They were there because they want like this is this is what they like Mm -hmm. you know and they're not it's not about uh, uh, resale value on a secondary market or anything like that that's a legit convention I had the director of uh, Haunters have you seen the documentary Haunters yeah yeah I had the director on my show a week or two ago, and he and, and John was selling me on Monster Blues because I hadn't been in five years, and just Dude, the level of amazing. passion yeah, that yeah. is like it's incredible, and and I think like like on something like Haunters where you're making a, your house into a haunted house, like that's your life, and you're so passionate about it. Um, those are really the only people that I could talk to because they speak the same language somebody who's playing possibly the worst stock market in history <laughs> like, <laughs> like I have nothing in common with that person right. because they, it's like it's a bad business have you, I mean have you looked at the publishing industry what are you doing like, like, and, and where I go to pick up my comics like obviously I worry that one day my comic book store is not going to be there because like Meltdown Comics just closed on, yeah, on, on that's heavy. in LA and that's a legendary store and I look at, at the comics where I go to where I know the guys and it, it feels like Cheers Bar. And I'm like, well, how long is this going to be around yeah. with the publishing industry doing what it is? But they don't care. They're doing it because they love it. And that's the only currency that you can, that you can, that you can put a value on because it's your time. Yeah, You're yeah, investing yeah. all that, your livelihood. It's all going in there. I mean, no, I think they're I think they're weirdos who don't know how to run, read the stock market. Go <laughs> fucking <laughs> <laughs> buy a bunch of Bitcoin. Yeah, it's always reminding me of a pyramid scheme. Yeah, total scheme. It's ridiculous. I understand comic store owners using it to sell off their exclusives. Sure. And it's like, okay, you run a comic book store, your overhead is crushing you, yeah. five, six, seven days a week. Your overhead is sitting there. It's tough. You go to these places and you try and sell, try and try and sell, make that a part of your business. Uh, I totally get that. I totally get the industry taking advantage of that, saying, "Hey, if we can just get them an order of fifty comics, we'll give them this fifty first. You know, when when probably an order of twenty is going to sit there. You know, it's probably what they're going to sell. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it's on everybody to do the math. I just don't think that I've ever made anything on eBay when I thought it was something was valued. And yeah. I've sold. You know, everybody sold stuff on eBay, and every now and then you're like, "Whoa, cool." I made an extra hundred dollars that I didn't. This thing sold for more than I thought it would. Okay, one weekend it's gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. 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 Week. Because <laughs> no one's going to be able to eat like as a comic book store owner. You're always going on the idea of like, well, this the trend tells me that this is going to sell. Right. But the bane of every comic book sh- store owner's existence is his back stock. Yeah. You know, exactly. that's, the, that's that dead weight you have to... Tom and I have a friend who owns a, a comic store. We had store. Django on. Yeah, yeah. Django uh, uh, has a comic store here. And uh, I'm always I'm always amazed when I go into the store because there's like, there's so much. Yeah. There's so much. And it's there every week. And it's there every yeah, week. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, I, I don't know how you do this. Uh, you take an insurance fire. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up um, secondary market, and that brings up 
celebrity signings. Mm-hmm. Um, I have kind of a problem with them, <laughs> <laughs> and and here is the problem. Um, in order for seed money, I'm a con, uh, con promoter for my seed money. Where I go to the small vendor who uh-huh. who buys floor space in my dealer's room, and but in order to get people to come, I have to have those celebrity signing packages, and I have to have Thor and right. all those other guys. Right. Uh, in order to get Thor to sign my little tchotchke, I got to give him pony up. What, what is it now? Four hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars. Um, Guaranteed. Yeah. So, so as a con goer, I have a choice of where to spend my dollar, and usually I'm there to impress the people around the water cooler on Monday. So, are it they going to be more? It depends on what kind of con goer sure. you are. But for the yeah. most part, a lot of people are spending their money getting their photograph with Thor, where right. the people who got the convention into the room, the small vendor, are being shafted and aren't doing these cons anymore because they're not making any money. Right. Go. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Like, <laughs> San Diego Comic Con is our spring break, it's fun way for me to incentivize people who like Geekscape has multiple shows now like we, we have audience members who created their own shows and one of them I think would really appeal to your uh, your horror based listeners uh, our horror movie night podcast is probably our most popular podcast and I uh, and but they just do it for free and everybody kind of does their podcast for free or writes articles for free helps promote Geekscape for free and and the cons are in those passes are kind of how I incentivize my crew. Mm-hmm. We we spend thousands on Comic Con every year between the hotel and the in the exhibit space, and we there's no way we're going to get it back over that week. Mm-hmm. And we do it just to be loud and have fun, keep incentivizing our our, our supporters. Um, so I think some of it has to be on the onus of an exhibitor to know what. The, the con is like to show up because like New York Comic Con if you're an artist the artist alley in New York Comic Con used to be the greatest artist alley ever and you'd make tons of money uh, supposedly C2E2 is a great place for a combo creator to go and exhibit because you'll make the money mm-hmm. WonderCon WonderCon done here three weeks ago in Anaheim you're bringing all those books back with you because it's a similar thing in San Diego I think is not necessarily exhibitor friendly because everybody wants those autographs, and so you kind of have to, as an exhibitor, think about what kind of con you're you're going to, and whether or not kids are going to want the exclusive Marvel thing, mm-hmm. or if they're going to want to discover. And there are cons that are great for discovery. It's also does the convention owner, uh, you know, support that kind of discovery. New York Comic Con had the best artist alley in the world and I found out that a year ago they moved him almost to a separate building. <laughs> like oh, wow. it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and it, oh my God. It was it was amazing. It was like being in a Marvel bullpen and you're sitting here in the artist alley and every artist you'd imagine that you wanted would just be there and they're they're hanging out and big artists, small artists, like all the artists were there and it just felt so cool. And then supposedly New York Comic Con's like no, we got Hyundai as a sponsor. We need to have a giant car in that space. <laughs> These guys are moving. It's like what? It's insane. But uh, I don't. I mean, the the exes. I know why we do it. I know why we do Comic Con, and uh, and for us, it, I allow. You know, I have some of our friends from uh, throughout the years come back and sign, so they can get some signing do, done. It brings people to our booth. 
Uh, we get to throw some t-shirts out, mm-hmm. make some walking billboards, make a lot of noise, let people know about the podcasts. Uh, I just commissioned uh, some artwork that we can have at the site, uh, up at the uh, booth for our film projects. And it's been a great way to meet people. But there's no way financially I'm making my money back on Comic-Con. Right. I, I spent a week on the hotel situation, like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. As exhibitors, over the you know we've been exhibiting 10 years, and you're supposed to accrue points whenever you exhibit or buy ads and stuff like that. And so we have pretty good points, I think, at this point. And uh, we worked our way up to the Marriott, because the points are supposed to help weigh their decision when they give you things like, like your choice for hotels. And... And I had worked my way up five years ago to the Marriott, which is right next to the San Diego Comic Convention Center. I was like, yo, we're here. This is awesome. <laughs> I can walk over to Comic-Con without shoes on. Like, this is so close. And the <laughs> next year, we're a little further away. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. But mm. the next year, further away, further away. For This year, they tried to put it like, in China, like in, in Little Italy or like the airport. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Enough of this bullshit. And like, and I, I called, not Comic Con, but I called the, the the people handling reservations, and it was just a week conversation. It was like a week long back and forth with them, just basically saying, "Listen, guys, this isn't gonna work. Like, this is come on. I have people carrying shit back and forth. Well, this is this is not exhibitor friendly. And I know Marvel's running out of floor." But you got to give some space to the exhibitors here on this hotel thing. Right. That was that's the biggest headache. And I'll tell you this: that is a happy ending. I stuck with it, and I knew that I had the deadline of when they open it up to everyone else because the exhibitors they let us know about three about a month before they open it up for everybody else, so we can do cancellations and stuff like that. And uh, on the day that they opened the lottery up to attendees. They they got me a great hotel and it was just because I mean they were super nice but when they, I tell them what I need they have to go back to Comic Con Comic Con has to prove all that stuff Comic Con's filtering through a million things I don't hate Comic Con it was a pain in my ass but San Diego is a, a monster and I think that it's hard to keep that thing on a leash mm-hmm. and they have all these volunteers and all the employees it's like I don't it's I its mean, own city nothing's yeah. evil yeah, yeah like. I try not to, to to project like maliciousness on anybody. It's just that you was know, the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and they came through. It totally came through for me. I'm reminded, uh, uh, and this is completely out of nowhere. Um, I'm reminded sitting here talking about Comic Con and, and and stuff like that. How back in the seventies. Conventions were um, they were something completely outside the norm. Hmm. You were a freaking weirdo if you went to a, a, a Star Trek convention. Yeah, it was the old kind of the yeah first, the guy yeah. in the pointy ears. Yeah, exactly. And oh, you your ass kicked. Yeah, well, exactly. Right. Oh my god, I got my ass kicked. <laughs> you put those pointy ears on in the bathroom at the con. You don't go on the subway with those babies. Oh and my god, my shirt to high school mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how how much has changed where I don't know, for lack of a better word, geek culture has gone from this really, really, really outside of the norm um uh, 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 uh fringe element to really the 
the pervading. Well, it stops cool being about the, the, about being the, 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 the these big cons. It becomes now now San Diego Comic Con has nothing to do with comics, and it's all about this platform for a presentation of of this. Yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you mentioned Marvel. I'm curious what about that. You, how long do you think this is going to last? I mean, are we now saddled with? Not, I don't mean to saddle. <laughs> are we now to, to, to figure that we're always going to have a Star Wars film, we're always going to have a Marvel film, or we're always and DC will always be trying to do what they're doing? Um, do you think <laughs> that's just a given, or is it like the up. Western, that, that is just a fad now, and sooner or later we'll run out of steam? Well, like the Western, it's, I don't think it's a fad, I think it's a genre. I think that this is absolutely a genre. And, um, but, but unlike the Western, you'd you're not going to sell the Western toys. This isn't the fifties or sixties anymore. And I think, I think that with it, and I think that the, that I think superheroes lend themselves to mythology in a lot, uh, in a, in a, a much bolder, I, I think in a much more commercialized way than anything else that sent that, 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 that uh, lends itself to mythology. I think that the, the, the man in black and white stuff from Westerns is, uh, there's only so many stories you can tell through there, and I know that we're looking at superheroes stories that are fairly redundant at this point. But um, I think that there's still a pretty bold. I, I think there's still a lot of opportunity for identification. Mm. I mean, if, if anything, Black Panther, which I thought was as on a story level a fairly run-of-the-mill Marvel movie, clearly had much larger cultural ramifications. Okay. I mean, right, right, right. you watch that movie, I mean, the first half of the movie, it's like, wait, the inciting incident happened in Civil War. Like, I'm not, like, nothing, like, what's happening? This is, I didn't think that that movie had any engine on it on the first half, and it wasn't until T'Challa loses something halfway through the movie, and you have the introduction of the, well, the proper introduction of Killmonger, that you're like, okay, now he's got something to fight for, because at right. first it was like, it was, I mean, first it was basically Eddie Murphy getting bathed. <laughs> the first half of that movie, it's like, the royal penis is clean. <laughs> I was like, I mean, for the first half of that movie, it's basically the beginning of coming to America. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. here's your nice shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, coming, and like, he, I was like, you need to launch this guy into Queens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's got to work at McDowell's. What, is this, what am I watching? <laughs> and... And uh, and it's not until he gets chucked off the, the the waterfall, spoilers, that you're like, oh, now you're working at McDowell's, and we get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm hopeful for the movie. It's like, who's this guy? Okay, like, the inciting incident, the loss of his father, happened in a different damn movie. So it is all one yeah. big movie now, you and know? It, 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 that's why we we're watching. We're all watching streaming stuff anyway. Yeah. It's all binge yeah, yeah, viewing. Yeah. So or is I, used to, I used to call it the Real Housewives of Shield. <laughs> it's all it's all soap opera yeah. and, and whatever, but I think that um, at at some point my hope is that once we churn through the biggies and we're gonna we're, we're ultimately gonna get to 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 some really cool Hispanics. <laughs> well, I think that it's, we're going to get to some to some really cool. There, there's. I mean, look at some like Ed Brubaker stuff or 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 Ronan, uh, Frank Miller's Ronan. I'd love yeah, to yeah, see yeah. Frank Miller's Ronan as yeah. a film. But we have to. I think before it's like Batman. We we had to get through the goofiness of the Burton films, right? To get right, to right. The Nolan films. Yeah, right. So I think ultimately, it's my hope that we're gonna. We'll get to the really cool That's stuff. how I feel about Warren Publications. I want to see 
I want to see the creepy uh, and eerie stories brought right. to They're life on film. Be there. We're still getting westerns. Yeah. Yeah, We're yeah, still yeah. getting westerns. People just aren't going to them. I mean, uh, I mean, to me, I feel like Nolan hurt the superhero genre more than anything with his, you know, hot topic style. I mean, I like. I, I think Christopher Nolan's incredible, <laughs> but but like the Dark Knight completely educated Sony into do, like wrecking two Spider-Man movies, right? To the point where they had to financially make a deal with Marvel. Or supposedly Japan was going to sell off their entertainment division in Columbia Pictures, right? right, right. And, and, and thank God Jumanji just made a ton of money because Sony gets a little more breathing room right. and can go and make Venom or something. Because um, that those two amazing Spider-Man movies were a direct response to the Dark Knight making truckload of money, and immediately it's like, well, what if Peter's a loner? And like, what if something mysterious? Like, what if he loses his parents at an early age? I was like, then he's fucking Batman. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Then he's not Peter Parker. He's not the bottom of the rung. There's even a scene where he's defending a nerd. I'm like, no, no, the nerd should have been Peter. And right. why is the breast-looking girl in school winking at him on page one? Like, this is <laughs> he has nothing to fight for. <laughs> like, yeah. he's yeah. no longer <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> he's the tarantula. <laughs> you know, and um, and and it, you know, and. That specifically is a character that is made for for the metaphor of becoming an adult and going through the, your body changes and this and that. So as far as superhero characters go, I love superheroes. I think that there's a superhero for everyone. I think there's a comic book for everyone. Um, I think that they're absolutely a strong genre in their modern mythology. They're a very American art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think super, I think the, the one that's been maligned the most Superman and the Fantastic Four. Like, how the how do you keep messing that up? Right. Like, like Superman is the, the American story of immigrants coming to a planet, coming to Earth, or they're coming to the the New World as the creators were. They have nothing but physical abilities. Lex Luthor's a great villain because he's wealthy and established and powerful. You know, and you, it's like an Ellis Island story, and. They keep screwing it up. It's like, oh yeah, but what if he's godlike? What if he's what if he's what if he's what if he's he's morally ambiguous? I'm like, no, no, no. Batman's morally ambiguous because he's a psychotic. Superman is pure, and Superman is right and wrong. He's not like, oh, maybe I should save them. No, as as I've always said, Superman's a boy scout. He he, his bed is made. Right, he's he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every character from him, you know. And if you make him morally ambiguous, then what do you? That's that's not. Superman again. That's that's Batman. So again, like I go back to the Dark Knight, and as great as the first two thirds of Dark Knight is, um, I think the, the boat stuff starts to get a little loose on me. But I think Agreed. the first, I, I think those first, I think the the Dark Knight and the if Batman Begins is awesome. But but what they did was they they created a window where you could be like, oh, let's have a morally ambiguous Superman. Let's shade him a little darker. And I'm like, well, then when you introduce Batman, all this shit's gonna look bad. Right, because now like it just looks like a bunch of assholes not turning the lights on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on, like, like you can't, you know. And in, 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 to the defense of Justice League, the second half of Justice League had a course correction that I thought was actually fairly good with the with the the the, the like Superman coming back to life. I was like. This is my Superman, and it's kind of Joss Whedon's Superman. I mean, because he gets the character. He's definitely blue and red. He's definitely positive. He's definitely like we got to save the civilians, and they're really like like pivoting hard from the Snyder stuff. And I thought it worked, 
and I don't know if because of the box office and all this, Warner Brothers has the confidence to keep that road going. I heard some news yesterday that they don't. They're about to make some other dark shit, and I'm just like, <laughs> God, it's the dark plastic uh, man. Like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Again, I go back to the Dark Knight, making a truckload of money, and just say, hey guys, like that was as bad a thing as it was a good thing yeah. you know I, I think Christopher Nolan's incredible I have my reservations about him I think that most of his movies come down to and this is how I did the trick I, I mean you know, like at the, at the end of Interstellar it's like you just saw this dude fight to get back to his daughter he sees his daughter he sees his grandkids he doesn't even get their names and he pieces out to steal a ship to rescue the future of humanity which they knew was out there because he came through a wormhole and all they had to do was go Whoa. into like, like the, 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 he literally has a steel. Like, what were they doing? Building Halo and like playing baseball the whole time? That he's like, yeah. he's like I, I don't get the ending of those movies. And like, I, I just I, well, I more I, tricks than than anything with my, some of the stuff. He's very good at it. Uh, Christopher Nolan's a really great magician. I don't know, want to know how he does the tricks. And sometimes I feel like the end of his movies, he can't help but reveal the narrative trick and like we didn't need that with 2001 the end of 2001 mm-hmm. you don't know what the fuck's happening and you're cool with it you know right, exactly um so early on we were talking about the responsive risk mitigating nature of hollywood and so as a huge superhero fan someone who loves the, the them as metaphors and as what they can mean to people and black panther clearly being an, an example of something that was important um like the Dark Knight did a lot of damage. It, mm-hmm. it it educated an entire industry on how things should have been, and it kind of narrowed the scope. And it's like, th- thank goodness Marvel started doing some weird stuff with Guardians and Ant Man and Doctor Strange, and you know, to be like, hey guys, this isn't. There's there's so much you can do with these characters and with with superheroes because they're reflections of us. Fantastic Four is next up. Like, let's tell a story about the American family. And I know we're getting Incredibles too, and that's a great Fantastic Four <laughs> story. Uh, I love the Incredibles as a Fantastic Four movie and as their own movie. Um, but I think that's next. We we got to stop beating up the Fantastic Four. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I w- let's talk about that for a second because as a kid, uh, the Fantastic Four was, uh, for lack of a better word, my jam. Uh, they're comics first family, right? They're, they're comics first family. Oh, they, Say they, again. Go yeah, ahead. the Marvel's family. Like they're they're well, Stanley got this edict from his uh, from Marvin, Marvin Goodman that was like, "Hey, the Justice Society of America is making a ton of money for DC. Do we have any super teams? Can we do superheroes in, in a super team?" And, and Stan was like, "Yeah, let me go make one." And <laughs> uh, and he, made a like he, he, he didn't just make a team he made a family and that's a huge leap for superhero comics Yeah, you know um, it, it's a really important leap to be like we're not going to look at this as a team we're going to look at this as a family on an emotional level it's a much bigger investment these characters are bound together right it's like you, quitting is huge because you're not just quitting on a team anymore. You know right. what I mean? You're quitting. It's family. It's no longer like, hey, Quicksilver just got Quicksilver just got shot. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. No, no, no. It's, it's more like, oh wow, there's it's like the Brady bunch. bunch. So that that was kind of fucked up because Quicksilver was family too. I know. <laughs> yeah, well. 
Stroke <laughs> <laughs> family. Well, I bad choice, maybe. Well, let's put throw over the side. Put it this way, okay? One of my earliest memories. I'm talking two, maybe three years old. Was watching the Fantastic Four animated show sure. on television in the sixties, yeah. and it was a huge deal for me. Like I like I wanted to be Reed Richards so bad that that was my that you know as a little guy that's that's who I aspired to. I wanted to be smart <laughs> and flexible. Rubber. <laughs> Theophic and vain, <laughs> which, right. is, which is so. Here's the thing with these characters is that those characters, and I'm going to go ahead and include Victor as well, are Shakespearean. And Absolutely. if somebody's like, somebody like, here, Jonathan, like, here's the Fantastic Four. Let's do something fresh with them. I'd be like, okay, let's go back a couple hundred years and just like, like, let's hire me a Shakespeare scholar because the relationship between Reed and Victor and Reed and Sue and Reed and Johnny and Reed and Ben is so complicated yet the, it, the all the groundwork was laid there in those first 50 issues and um i i, I watched quiet place yesterday and i think i was like oh my god john krasinski is the best reed richards i've ever seen on film because <laughs> i just know, i just read something about uh someone was floating uh krasinski and emily blunt as the richards yeah and 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 I mean, I don't mean to whitewash things as a Hispanic, but my 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 doom for years was Army Hammer, just huh. this guy who was so good looking, and then he just fuck his face up. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 you, you know, if you're if you look like that and you get scarred in an accident, yeah, you're gonna hate the person you think is responsible. Sure, right. sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like, um, like everything. It's like, dude. You fucked me up, and now I went back to Latveria and had to wear a mask because I couldn't stand on a parapet with my family and wave at the at the at the people. Like, like Doom is literally a Bin Laden story of being educated in the U.S. and then going back to a country that reveres you, so that you can use their people to hate and get revenge on the people you found think were responsible for the poverty of your nation. That's Latveria. Mm-hmm. Like, right? We've looked through a few Latverias as American families. And you can't make that movie? Like, you fucking give them some crazy plot to, like, harness the, 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 you know, like, another dimension or some crazy stuff? Like, you make them a hacker? Like, we have Bin Ladens. Yeah. Like, we have Von Dooms. We have people who are revered in their country. It, it could be through fear. It could be through control. But you know what? They're still coming at the U.S., and you can't make a movie about that? I don't think it's too close to home when you put a mask on them and have them run around with a bunch of robots in a cape. Like, immediately, like, if you need some distancing from real-world events, I think the cape and the magic should give it to you. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, 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 agreed. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's such a great villain. Yeah. Because he's... Right. He's not that one. He's not one-dimensional. Like, like, as you say, there's a, there's a real motivation there, and there's real untapped, you know... And he, like... Like he, yeah, it's so much pain. And like, when you look at something like the that's this last Army Hammer movie that the the um, the Italy movie. Oh uh, right, uh, uh, call me by your name. Call yeah. me by your name. Like, so much silent acting was going on in that movie where it was just looks and bit of anguish and this and that. And I was like, yeah, Doom has a pretty complicated relationship, not just with Reed and Sue, but with his family. Mm-hmm. You know and. You can see how this guy develops a bit of twisted, and well, imagine some, that guy just getting to his day. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after Reed Richards 
fucking doesn't listen to him yeah. and he's doing something right and something blows up. Reed Richards doesn't listen to anybody. That's his problem. <laughs> he doesn't listen and he gets stretched too thin because he doesn't trust in anybody. Well, because he's so fucking smart, why does he need to listen to I just somebody? want to acknowledge the stretch smart, too but he's thin. not wise. Well, th- well, those were perfect metaphors, Johnny. He's the hothead. Exactly. You know, ben is emotionally, uh, you know, and then you've got Sue and everybody ignores her so she's it's, an invisible woman. Like, like the, the, it's brilliant. It's so, it's They're so, so good. It's so perfect and it's so frustrating that they have gotten it right. Just watching people miss the biggest target in Hollywood. Yes, exactly. Like, these these characters are per, are great as is. Um, you know, uh, the negative zone. I have all sorts of ideas for a Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> it's like my favorite <laughs> thing, and uh, and it all comes down to those relationships that have been missed time and time again. And you're just like, no, don't. Well, I think there's. Um, there's so much you, you mentioned the pain of doom but there's so much pain that goes around the alienation of Ben Grimm the idea that every they're different now they're different in a way that no one's ever been different I think, before I think Ben Grimm himself like ugh. yes yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so uh, I'm gonna it's almost like we could just pull certain words out of everything we just said and, and insert Star Wars in there the same <laughs> way. The Phantom of the are, are we? Do you think that we're now going to? There's going to be in perpetuity Star Wars films. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Until you stop going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going. You, you saw the pre-sale numbers on Infinity War. Yeah. It pre-sold more than the last four or five Marvel movies combined. Jesus. Like, there will not be an empty seat when that thing happens. Do I think the movie's going to be any good? I have no idea. I just... I think, I think narratively I think, it's going to be a mess. There's just too many threads. I worried about that with Civil War, and Civil War ended up being one of my favorites because each character got a little bit of their own shading. Um, that being said, has is, is Marvel been perfect? Uh, no, Marvel's just susceptible to the repeat syndrome that everybody in Hollywood kind of is. You know, with Guardians 2 just being... Roughly, Empire Strikes Back by way of Guardians One. You oh, you like this? Here's more of it. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And I worry. I mean, I really worry about Deadpool too. <laughs> it's like so do I. It's so like I. that may be the most annoying movie in the world. I just I just <laughs> wait for him to come with the violin, you know, because it's Henny Youngman now. It's just him going well, doing shtick and it's know, being funny. And I was. But, but if that movie's fun, I'm going to be the one who's loudest. Like shouting that movie out because mm-hmm. I think I think what they did with the first movie I was like wait they got this thing not just to work but to work miraculously okay. now they just have to make it different again yeah. you know it was, it was like John Wick two versus John Wick one it's like yeah but you could have done the Raid two versus Raid one agree right Raid two such a is Raid two is such a drastically different movie than Raid one yeah. and, and Raid one is nothing uh, nothing but Game of Death in exactly. Yeah, it's game. Well, without it's game of death, but without um, NBA basketball players. <laughs> but, but you've got these uh, amazing. Uh, I got that right, right? Yeah, that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, yeah. Right? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. I was like Jonathan. You haven't seen that movie in fifteen years. You may want to yeah. shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Like, like um, you know, those. Uh, I, I I thought Raid Two was so bold that he was like, you know what, I could just have them climb another tower and kill a bunch of dudes and it'd be badass, but he went such a different direction with it, and I feel like that's the way to do sequels is, you know, whether you're going to burn it to the ground or not, you're going to tell a different story with the same characters and throw them through different loops to give them growth. Otherwise... You're just sitting there. Or even pass it through a, a different palette. And I reference Ragnarok 
for that. You take what, sure. what wasn't working and you pass it to a different palette yeah, and yeah. then now and, you get something that works. And that guy's genius. Say again? <laughs> well, that guy's a genius. Though. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. His, I mean, he's a genius. Hunt for the Wilder People is like the best movie that year. Dude, I was like, how's, Hunt for doing the Wilder People is amazing. You're laughing one second, crying the next. How is he doing this? Exactly. He's telling it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I felt... I was like, no, uh, this isn't... No, <laughs> he's too powerful. <laughs> so, uh, the other thing that, that I saw, I've seen recently, and, and this is... I'm going to sound like a really old guy now, but Twitch. It's pe- yeah. people watching people play games. Yeah. For money. Yeah. And it's a lot of money. I just saw a guy... Sometimes it's a lot of money. Sometimes, It's yeah. like, like you, podcasting, you know what I mean? Like, we're not all Tim Ferriss. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're not all making millions and putting out books. Right, right, right. You know, I feel, I feel like with any of this web stuff, there's that perception that everyone else is making it, you know, that the louder people are making it work, and I'm not confident that they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I think people may be busting their asses on Twitch, to basically make what you'd be making flipping burgers. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just having to flip burgers so it looks good. You know? Um, but they better be on that computer every damn day. You know what I mean? Uh, it, 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 you think about all the people who are not making money on Twitch. Right. You know? So, I don't know. You can get really sedu- seduced by this stuff with, like, podcasting and with Twitch and stuff like that. You can look up and be like, but you know it's not consistent like I've, I've made bad moves in podcasting where i'm like oh let me make this partnership and then you realize the other partner isn't going to show up and you're like oh man let me see if i can reset the bone that we just busted mm-hmm. you know um everybody's done that and i know i've done it over 12 years of this um but for sure been like oh i'm working harder to make less right why do this well it was it looked good and people have asked me about Twitch a few times. Do you think I should do Twitch, or what about? Why don't you do the Twitch thing? And um, and I think it feels like that secondary market. Mm-hmm. Just you love, and if you you love playing video games, sitting in front of a computer, talking to people, go for it. Um, I think there there are those people who are taking their clothes off on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like you've seen that happen, and it's like, oh, a girl playing a video game in her bra. Okay, well, that's one way to do it. it hey, isn't, that, isn't that Pornhub? Like, it's, yeah, well... Cam 4 or something. With, with better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, like, if you, you just have to, you have to stay your course and not get seduced by all this weird stuff that's going to pop up when technology shifts or culture shifts. And, you know, and, and sometimes I'm like, okay, how much of Geekscape is a distraction from the filmmaking? Okay, and, and how much of Geekscape can I do better that won't drop from the filmmaking? You know what I mean? Like, you, ha- you, have, to, you have to just continually weigh the thing and not be fatigued by that. Um, because uh, otherwise, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're going to chase a... I'm going to fucking jump online and play video games for 12 hours a day? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? They can be revered by 13-year-olds who aren't even going to know who I was? Like, aren't going to remember me in a year when they go through puberty and realize something they're, they're chasing something else? Like, why am I doing that? <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting in this chair for 10 hours a day and, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating Funyuns and... and 
not even, you know, you got to move. You got to move. Um, that being said, I did sit in a chair and play video games for 200. I played Breath of the Wild on my Switch. And it's the best game I ever played, the new Zelda that came out last year. And mm. I put over 200 hours in that game over the course of last year. So, like, maybe I should have made some change back when I did that. <laughs> okay. I have a Twitch channel, and there are some ideas that I have for the Twitch channel. But they're ideas that lend themselves to filmmaking, and they're ideas that lend themselves to podcasting, and the things that I'm already doing, because if because the next thing is the straw that, that might break it. You know what I mean? It's right, like right. I always tell people about, um, talk to them about, you know, what business are you in? In the end of the day, what business are you in? And you have to decide that. I had to decide at one point, I'm going to concentrate. I'm not going to do the journalist stuff because I'm not making any money on it. Um, right. Concentrate on books or, or whatever the fuck else I'm doing. You're, you're either in your business or you're in some other business. Yeah. And and if 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 you're in your business, then it's it's up to you to set the parameters of what that what that means, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm in the Langley business, does that mean does that mean I'm an effects guy? Does that mean I'm an artist? Does that mean you know I'm a law enforcement guy? Like you're right, exactly. You have to figure out what is it you're right. doing. Yeah, because it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah, with with things. Yeah, yeah, and they're, yeah. they're designed to distract us. Sure. You know, our phones want to give us post notifications. Twitter wants to get. Twitter wants to keep throwing things up. They want to add news stories. These apps want to let you know when somebody's stream. Facebook wants to let you know when your friend went live. Mm-hmm. Like these, these, these are designed to. Uh, shape our brains towards throwing ads at us. You know what I mean? It's like let's just—they're—they're they're, they're just derailment, and uh, they're designed to shape our brains towards derailment. So you almost have to have this stubborn default setting and stick to your default setting. You know, uh, I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get—and it's so hard because I do it all the time. I was complaining last night, but just be like, I'm going to be positive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and. If something negative starts growing up, be like, how is this a gift? How can I turn this? And when something throws itself up on your computer, be like, nope, nope, no. nope. Not going not to get seduced into the top ten list. Right. Not, not going to get seduced into that stuff. And not going to check Twitter. Not going to do any of this. And it's the fostering of other interests. I know you, you've ta- you're a runner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like the having the time not being nailed to your computer. Right. Gives me the time to do. I, I can other easily see how, like, so many of my friends are like, they disappear. They mm-hmm. disappear from, from uh, the internet. And yeah. while it, you know, while it kind of sucks, because that might be your only connection to them. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you go, good for them. They're fucking living life instead of you. You know what I mean? I yeah. 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 Running part of my writing process is like the internet's not. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. No, it's just not. But going out and feeling some sweat and releasing some chemicals in my brain and being away from the distraction machine for uh, an hour or two, like, I can finally start hearing the characters. Mm-hmm. You know? And without it, I'm screwed. Um, I also, yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I, yeah, and I need that... I think I need a chemical jolt in the morning. I need the release of my head. Sure. So that I can be like, okay, now we can be... Uh, sedentary and you can start putting the pieces together or sometimes like I like to run with friends and none of them are in film mm-hmm. and they're always like tell me a story 
Because uh, <laughs> we long runs when we're marathon training where it's like we're out there for three plus hours and they're like, what are you working on? And I start telling the stories and I see where they respond, where yeah. they check out. And that's invaluable. I, you know, I'm like, oh my God, like it's like a writer's group. Like it's, I'm breaking stories with them. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. And yeah, yeah. without it, I'm just an asshole sitting in a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and oftentimes I am the asshole sitting in Starbucks. Oh yeah, I did some of my best editing in Starbucks. Yeah. Um, I first met you in Starbucks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really uh, funny. As we uh, as we wind up here, I want to ask you about what are the things that you're seeing on the horizon that you're excited about? Well, what films do you think are going to take everyone by surprise? And um, and and uh, what are when you're done with that? What are you working on yourself? Um. I don't, man. I don't, it's hard for me to look forward to other people's. Somebody asked me, it was like, uh, we shot a feature film last year. Uh, late 2016, we shot a feature film in Brazil, and I co wrote and produced. And, uh, and in 2017, people were like, what's the movie you're looking forward to in 2017? I go, mine. Mine, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think that should be your answer if you're a creator. Be like, what are you looking forward to the most? Mine, because I'm violently, desperately fighting for for yeah. it. Um, that being said, I I do have Infinity War tickets, but it's more out of just let's okay, let's see what this is. Yeah. Um, I I'm almost more interested in Ant Man and Wasp, uh, just huh. because I'm like I like you know let's see what the relationships like. Um, uh, what I don't think there are any filmmakers who, I mean, like. I get more excited for Richard Linklater movies than anything else. There you go. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was the guy who, you know, like, I, he's still my favorite, and I still think that those movies are incredible. Um, so I, I kind of fail the genre people on that stuff. Like, I will see it, well, almost every genre movie, uh, and celebrate them, but, um, but they come at such a flurry at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. that, they're not an exception, and so the things that are exceptions to me are like the the movies that have some level of craft. No offense to them, but like have some level of singular vision to them. I, uh, in 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 recent history, uh, we've seen this advent of this of the studio. Uh, what is it? A twenty four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's always been exciting to me, even if it's not a movie that I'm excited about, because it's like. At least somebody is making that kind of movie. Yeah, yeah I think the auteur has to be protected from this kind of stuff. Yeah, Agreed. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, and 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 I'm all for it. Like, I I can't wait to shoot a couple indie movies and have Marvel come up and be like, okay, let's do Fantastic Four, and I'll be like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, hey, let's go. But uh, but like the. You know, there's two movies I'm trying to get made right now, and they're fairly different. Um, and uh, but they're all pretty personal. One one is one is loud and and and, and big, and fun. Uh, you know, in, in in genre, but it's still but it's like about my brother. You know what I mean? And like yeah. Uh, and one is small and personal, but it's about my divorce. And so like I'm exercising million little demons in different ways and putting them in different compartmentalized boxes that I can figure out why I'm this way. You know what I mean? So that stuff excites me the most. And when I see a connection with like a filmmaker, 
that stuff excites me. Um, what am I looking forward to the most? We're doing some shorts. Uh, we're doing um, Geekscape, I think, is looking towards having a little bit of like a course correct over the summer to try and revamp it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking to work with other artists and maybe do some cool T-shirts or maybe do like a cool just redesign on the website. Um, that kind of stuff excites me. Um on TV, was anything? I don't know. I mean, guys, I'm failing you guys so bad. No, you're fine. Because the thing, everything just comes in such a flurry. Like comic books are always a crossover. Video games are always another sequel. Like, well, that's fuck off. There's noise. What is the no- like? What is the signal? They become widgets. They just become widgets. Yeah. Well, this uh, and this is representative, I think, of part of the problem is that there's so much shit. There's so much noise. There's so much stuff. How do you narrow down? I tell you how. You go to Geekscape. (laughs) (laughs) I think think what it is, and I think Geekscape over the last few years has been representative of that. And I think I I, I went to, I was was unhappy. I mean, I went through, I went through a divorce. Like, I went through some shit that really almost broke me. And uh, maybe it didn't. I don't know. I don't know how close I got to being broken. I know that I had to get peeled off the floor of my apartment. Mm. But my friends, you know, I, I'm still straight edge. I didn't get into drinking. <laughs> you know, like I, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, but I had some thoughts, and I was like, dude, you've never had anxiety. You never had this shit, any of that. And and I realized it was because I was so swept up in my noise. You know what I mean? I was so. I think I had social media addiction. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, all this shit. And and I was like, dude, you are riding someone else's wave, and you can't even hear your own thoughts. Yeah. And the yeah. like, meditation's been big. Yeah. It's where I, my dad was like, I know that you're going to find this. When you started running, I realized that you were trying to find something, you know. And it was just like this process of being like, what is the signal, and what's the noise? And for all the listeners, like, you got to find your own signal because. This stuff will—it's designed to just sweep you off your feet and not give you back. Mm-hmm. You know, you are being turned into a product. Again, it's like with something like Facebook—you're not paying for it; you're the product. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not paying for it; you're the product. You know, and so what excites me is some, something that gets me excited about, like some kind of level of connection. You know, whenever I listen to like your show, I'm listening to somebody talk about a story, I'm like. Oh, great. I get to listen to... You know, that's what podcasting is so good about. It's like, yeah. it has to be intense personal. You have to hear somebody talk like as if... You know what I mean? Like, I think it's more connective than radio or any of the other well, it's, audible... Well, it, it takes its time. Rogan talked a lot about how in a, reg- in a small interview, you can get the PR-generated noise. Right, right, right. But do that for three hours or well, an hour a, or It's a real hours. conversation, and, and, and because it's a podcast... You're not bound by uh, the FCC. You're not bound by you, you can clearly. You, <laughs> you can you know yeah. you can you can have a real conversation. I, yeah. I just had Andrew WK on my show, and but he had to call in because he's prepping his tour. Mm-hmm. And I think his new al- album is awesome. I, I you know I just think that yeah, I think I, he, he took twelve years to make it, and I think he was like I have to make something that's different than there'll be some party. There'll always be some party. <laughs> but I have to figure out something that's a little more internal. Dude. Not that the ones weren't, but I thought this new album was fucking awesome. And when he got on the phone to talk to me, 
I think he was ready for just a conversation about party, party, party. And I start, we start talking like real shit about this album. And he's like, I want to come on your show and get into the weeds on this thing because, like, it's this is the platform to do it. Mm-hmm. I have gone down such an Andrew WK rabbit hole recently. Right on. Uh, it, it, it's like he's 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 the guy that's going to tell you party hard, but Double knot your laces. Sure. Um, He's so sweet. I, I literally yeah. listened to the album, and I said, I got to get you on. I repeated him. I said, I got to get you on Geekscape. And he, he followed me back and DM'd me and said, let's make this happen. This is my PR person. Let's do this. Cool. And has been really cool. And it's, and, um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I get excited to collaborate. I get excited to collaborate with people. Uh, and last night, I was sitting here by myself watching movies i've got uh some geekscape coming up this week that i have to uh that i had to watch movies for so by the time you, you guys air this one um i've got the director of wildling which is this okay. uh, yeah. I, uh, and like i can't wait to talk to him about it because i thought his movie was great and then later this week i'll put up uh a conversation uh it's it's i it hasn't had neither of these have happened yet so hopefully everything happens but I'm sitting down with Dean Devlin to talk about Bad Samaritan and oh, great. genre stuff. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, I'm a Universal Soldier fan. I got to talk to him about that. But uh, <laughs> but I just like talking to storytellers mm-hmm. and connect. We I did I got invited to a press junket for Outcast, which is a, a show I really like on Cinemax, the Possession Show. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Can you do a roundtable?" And I was like, "I don't really do roundtables. I can't because." You talk about fake stuff and a round table, and it's very cursory, and you know. And so I, we got the uh, showrunner and Patrick Fugit for an hour to talk about just the process of making shows. I mean, I've been on TV sets as an understudy, and hopefully won't soon as a director. And I know the work that goes into these things. It's hard. Yeah. Um, and and how do you hold on to your story when the train's coming at you? So again, like the metaphor is like the train is coming, the tr- the commercial train is coming. How do you hold on to your story? And television is, if anything, the most crazy place to do it because you don't get the time you get on a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Having people in the in the studio, they're basically like, dude, how do you hold on to your story yeah. when you're by yourself and you're the only person who believes in your script and you're the only person who knows about it? How do you hold on to your story? And it's just another version of me saying, how do you cut out the noise and hold on to the symbol, like protect the signal. All right. Yeah, wow, wow. Give me the, give me the URL one more time, all the applicable ones. Geekscape, do you have <laughs> one of Yeah, it's just geekscape.net. Uh, it's geekscape.net. We have our podcasts on there. Uh, and obviously we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group for Geekscape. You know, we have a, a, a more of a private group which you should join called Geekscape Forever where it's kind of taken a place of our forums mm. where we, we talk amongst ourselves like if I have somebody coming up on the show I'll post there and be like hey throw me questions um, that's Geekscape Forever and then we have a, a Instagram Geekscape Forever I'm on Instagram as Geekscape D-O-T-N-E-T and then I've got Jonathan London on Twitter right on good. awesome good thanks for coming on dude I really appreciate it Jonathan, this has best. been fantastic man I think you guys are doing important stuff yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, like you can feel bad about yourself as a podcast and this and that because we're not on television or whatever it is or or commercial media, but it 
but people need to be recognized for the work they do. I agree. And for the lives they live. And I'm being very softy right now. But but (laughs) you know what? It's Uh, important to be. I agree. I totally agree. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back in just a second. That was always going to. That's exactly what I thought that was going to be, and that's right. awesome. Yeah, uh, Jonathan's great and has such a breadth of. of mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, he understands a, p- a portion that I think a lot of our guests may or may not, and that's the business side of it. The idea right. of like how this is how studios work, and this is how you get things ushered right to completion, as opposed to the the auteur who just decides I, I'm going to make a movie and, right. and, and does it. Moving on to other stuff. We're going to go through these pretty quick. Uh, the return of the uh, rest in peace. <laughs> a lot of people have said they really liked it, so uh, we're going to bring that back. Okay. Number one, Timothy O'Connor. He was an actor who was on Peyton Place. Yeah. He's one of those actors that when you see him, you go, oh, that oh, guy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Susan Ansbach. She was the blonde in Five Easy Pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chuck McCann. Chuck McCann was a comedian, children's host. He was the guy, if you remember, back in the 60s. <laughs> um, guy opens his medicine cabinet, and his medicine cabinet opens from the other side, and a guy goes, hey, guy. Yeah. That's Chuck yeah, 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 yeah. Very famous dude. Um, Mitzi Shore, longtime matriarch at the comedy store. I was just going to say, yeah, she, she, like, I just heard that, I, I want to say, this morning. Yeah. That, um, she had passed away, and, uh, uh, so many, so many careers started. Well, she was important. She was important for a couple of reasons. Number one, in her divorce from her husband, she won. She got the comedy store right and shepherded it through the years to become. It's it's amazing now that she's passed. The people on Twitter that are going, "Hey man, like Bob Saget almost cried on right, uh, Jeff yeah. Ross's show about." She gave me my break. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And she was yeah. something, really something. Um, and then last night, uh, Art Bell passed Art away. Art Bell, yeah. <laughs> it's weird because, Art, you know, Art Bell retired, mm-hmm. and um, uh, George Norrie took the show. That's on uh, Coast uh, to Coast AM. Yeah, Coast to Coast AM. 
And 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 it's striking to me how different it is. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, it's still conspiracy theories and paranormal stuff, and and just all. C- it, but it just seems, I don't know. It does. It seems. Um, well, um, I think art insincere, whereas art seemed really. Sincere. Well, I was quick to go. All right, you're lying, you're bullshitting, and you're out of here. Right, exactly. But if he, if you could convince him that what you were saying was true, he'd give you all the time. Oh, in the dude, world. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now it's kind of a drag. There was a stuff there for a while there about his son being abducted. Yeah, there's like the, yeah, there's really a lot. horrible yeah. stuff. Um, I I was trying to explain to somebody this morning uh, what coast to coast meant. And it, if you were a graveyard, it was everything. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's like it, regardless of whether you believe this stuff or not, mm-hmm. it is fascinating radio. Yeah. And when you're working all night long, law enforcement, security, delivery people, mm-hmm. but if you're working those shifts and you're driving around in a vehicle, there really isn't anything There's new. There's no entertainment. Is, no. And, and and it's a friendly voice in the room. Yeah. And for, even if, if even if hindsight, if the story being told was utterly ridiculous while it was being told, it was really It was real. entertaining. It yeah. was entertaining. It yeah. was real. And it was... It I mean, was great. It could be it could be anything from like you know I was raped by Bigfoot and I have a mm-hmm. two headed baby you know to uh, I'm Doctor So and So and it 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 coast to coast it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the difference now it, it's it's more of a promotion machine for certain people writing certain books. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then today, just before we went on and started recording, Milos Forman, director of Amadeus, oh, passed man. away. He was in his 80s. Yeah. But great filmmaker. Fantastic and, um, filmmaker. Yeah. Um, one yeah. Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, Amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Uh, moving on to news. Um, there have been reports of Stanley being taken advantage of by his family. Yeah, I've been seeing more and more of this. Being isolated and controlled. They're calling it elder abuse. Yeah. Lee has come on and done a video, like a little Periscope video, going like, none of this is true. Um, Kevin Smith invited Stanley to come live with him. Wow. Like, listen, if they're, if they're treating you badly, come live with me and I'll Holy treat you like a king. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, it goes back to what we were saying before about Kevin Smith. It's like he's he's such a great ambassador for this stuff. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Kevin Smith, the, the, they have announced the subject of the next Comedy Central roast, and that's Bruce Willis. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I can see that being brutal. Brutal. <laughs> well, remember, Amy Schumer did a joke once about... Um, uh, I hope it's brutal. I know. She did a joke on the Charlie, Charlie Sheen roast about how it's like, you're like Bruce Willis. You were big in the 80s and now your spot's being filled by Ashton Kutcher, which is a funny joke. But um, I, don't, I don't know why he signed on for it because supposedly he has no sense of humor. Right, exactly. So... I mean, we've all, I mean, we've all seen the interviews where he's just like, I'm going to be the biggest dick that I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a great one for Red that yeah. he's just a prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised. It's hard because the interviewer, you're like, you're trying to get, you know, this is your moment with Bruce Willis. You it's, want to make and it it's, it, you know, it, for me, it, it makes me, it makes me not like the guy because to me, you're still the guy from Moonlight. Do your job. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Do your job. And your little hissy fit is not in line with the 
producer's way of promoting this film. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Um, right before the beginning of their next tour, Fleetwood Mac fired Lindsey Buckingham. Right. Which um, is really dumb. It's I well you know I I kind of get the I I get the feeling that uh, it's kind of like you know was I fired or did I quit? Um, well, Buckingham is, is notorious for being a real fuss budget on stuff. What 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 surprised me are all these people that all these fans that are like oh no it's like. Dude, he was gone from the band for years. Well, he was never in the band for years. You, you know, yeah. But to be fair, you don't get a resurgence in Fleetwood Mac's career without Lindsey Buckingham and without Stevie Nicks. Right. Uh, 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 Nixon Buckingham came to um, Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. and and then and and then that's when they they became. Well, that was the explosion the of the White group. Album, right? Exactly. Of like landslide yes. and Rihanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all but you know, I you know I I remind people this like Fleetwood Mac was around a lot longer. All the Peter Green yeah, stuff, Peter all Green, the Bob Welch, Bob Welch, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I um to this day my favorite Fleetwood Mac is Hypnotized, which was not part of that huh. stuff at wow, all. Wow, not at all. Know? Yeah. Uh, the thing about Lindsey Buckingham, though, I think is that he's he's one of those guitar players that they're not ostentatious. They're not a shredder. He's not a shredder. Right. He's a layer yeah. of sound, and it's very interesting. One one thing about him is that it, it, his sound is undeniable. It's undeniable. distinctive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's like uh, Jeff Beck in that he doesn't use a pick. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he uses yeah. his fingernails yeah. and stuff. Um, so, anyway, there's that. Uh, this I love. Uwe Boll... Director Uwe Boll. I love the story. I love the story. Wants to fight, physically fight Alex Jones because, of course, he does. Everybody wants to fight Alex Jones, don't they? But in this case, we're talking about somebody who who everybody else wants to fight too. I know. It's like it's like these two guys deserve each other. Yeah, I would. I would love to see that. <laughs> I really would. It's I really so would. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Go make a movie, Uwe, for fuck's sake. Um, I'm just going to repeat something that Jonathan said. Sure enough, Infinity War is outselling the, all, the last seven Marvel films. Yeah, I don't care. If they're going to make so much money. In the billions. Yeah, yeah. It's um, obscene. Okay, this is interesting. According to the sh- to the showrunner, the Walking Dead finale that's coming up, I think tomorrow night, uh-huh. um, is the climax of the last eight seasons. And next season, it's a quote unquote new show that will have a quote unquote broader focus. Whatever that means. Well, but what I what I don't get is it sounds like bullshit because you're you're clearly. Uh, introducing certain characters that are still in line with the book, the Whisperers, and it looks like there's this new woman that just showed up. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I, it's it starts to sound of you know everyone loves everyone on this set, that sort of s- s- production speak. Right. But um, who knows? I who think knows? I think the the feature of that show uh, will be interesting in in relation to what you were talking about last week. Where if uh, uh, Georgia mm-hmm. um, goes with some of the, the political stuff they've been talking about, and, and uh, that show may leave that area. Yeah, 
they, the production may leave yeah. they go with their anti-LGBT right 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 policies. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Fox Searchlight is doing a TV this is exciting Fox Searchlight is doing a TV division which means that people who have made films for Fox Searchlight in the past may return with new properties specifically designed for television right and one of those people is Guillermo del Toro yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh well exciting yeah, that is exciting because, as we've often talked about, some of the best stuff being made right now is on television. Mm-hmm. Um, and letting a film, a cinematic auteur l- alone yeah. to do something where he has a little bit of time, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. Sure. Uh, Universal is adapting Warner, Warren Ellis's Injection for television. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's a Warren Ellis book. Right. Uh Someone out there is going, ooh, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Oats, the um, Neil Blomkamp, yes. is looking toward a second season. They're looking towards merchandise. They were, he was talking in an interview about releasing T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the release of Firebase, which looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up there, um, alien. friend of ours, James Fairley, um, working on those Oats shorts. Yeah. And... Uh, It'll be interesting to, to see what they... Because they, they always produce good stuff. Oh, there's so much good stuff yeah. that guy is doing. Um, AMC picked up Joe Hill's Nosferatu. It's sort of a rock and roll vampire thing. Right. Dealing, that's yeah, very yeah. cool. That's cool. Martin Scorsese is going to be directing a documentary based on the SCTV reunion that happened. They did a reunion in Canada for some charity. Yeah. And so he he shot it. This will be cool. Um, Scorsese does a really good job with this type of stuff. Remember the, the Stones thing? Yeah. Oh, the Stones thing. The last wall. The last I mean, waltz. You know, he's sure. always been um, a, uh, for lack of a better word, patron mm-hmm. of uh, of this type of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it because I, I'm going to love it because I just love it. SCTV. I think SCTV was so cool. So cool. It was so like I I, I remember as a kid watching Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, on the on the other channel, yeah. there was SCTV, which seemed even more where Saturday Night Live seemed um, transgressive in some way. SCTV was even more. I so. agree. Yeah, I agree. And and it, uh, it all for me lumped into with things like Kids in the Hall, right? And, right. and that stuff yeah, yeah, had yeah. had a more of a naughty aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlize Theron says, "Expect Atomic Blonde 2. Okay, I still haven't seen the first one. Yeah, it's yeah. out on disc now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, David Le- Leach, who did Deadpool 2 and co-directed John Wick, is looking to do, to direct the now confirmed. Rock Jason Statham Fast and Furious movie. I don't care. I don't either. I, I don't care. I, but I, it's I by the guy who did John Wick and Deadpool too. So yeah, well, you know, it might be fun. I'm I'm with Jonathan. I'm really afraid for for Deadpool too. Yeah, because yeah. as much as like as much as a lot of people were like, oh, this looks great. It looks atrocious to me. Mm. It looks like oh, you're ter- you're taking the joke. Too far now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but oh, you like that, huh? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I hope I am. Because I love the first movie. Agreed. I love the first movie. Agreed. Agreed. Um, we were talking about John Krasinski earlier, who just did A Quiet Place. Yeah. Next movie is going to be called something called Life on Mars. Yeah. 
exciting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Who knew uh, that guy was a filmmaker? Exactly. That's very cool. Yeah. And I hear nothing but good things. Nothing about but good things. things. Yeah. Yeah, we'll probably go this weekend. I've heard one yeah. person, one person online say, well, I didn't, you know, like, they, they, they're essentially nitpicking. Um, it's cool that, yeah, that those people are out there, though, because it means that, you know, somebody's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I do did notice today I was going through new releases that there's a score out and I really would have liked there not to have been a score in this movie having not seen it right but I like the idea it's a quiet it's right a quiet exactly thing. yeah 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 um the Mulan live action has cast Jet Li mm-hmm. and Gong Li yeah uh, Gong Li will be the villain one of the villains in it and huh. Gong Li is like uh, Chinese cinematic royalty yeah and and if you've ever seen, uh, remember me mentioning Curse of the Golden Flower here. Yes, exactly. Um, Gong Li's in that yeah. as well. Um, Mad about you, Paul Reiser or Helen Hunt? Uh, more revival. More of this eighties, nineties. Roseanne. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, is exciting. Um, Broad City is going to end after season five. Right. Um, and that's a funny. That's that's a funny show. That and is very four twenty friendly yeah. and all that stuff. Um, Treadstone is looking to do a series uh, for USA, a prequel series based on the John Bourne film or Jason Bourne films. Sure. Oh, okay. Sure. If you if Burn Notice worked, if Lakito, if Lafemme Nikita worked, right, this will work. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it'll save us from another Bourne film. Yeah. Uh, James McAvoy and Bill Hader have been pretty much confirmed with Jessica Chastain to be in um, It Chapter 2 as the kids grown up. Okay. James McAvoy, I, I like great actor. Of, I like Phil, both of Bill those Hader. guys. Yeah. You're watching... Um, I'm watching Barry. Barry. It's, and it's it's consistently so far great. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's a it's such a cool... It's such a cool idea. Mm-hmm. You know, because it... it, it uh, when when you're when you're seeing that character go you know, go to these acting classes, you can totally see uh, at some point this Bill Hader has been through all these classes in the past. Yeah. And he, and, and, and Henry Winkler, by the way, is great yeah. in it. It's yeah. fantastic. And it's it's uh, the the things I've seen look great. Oh, it's it's so good. Uh, by the time we record this, Three from Hell will have wrapped the Drop Zombie movie. Right, and Bill Mosley says, "Holy shit!" Yeah. yeah. Well, of course he does. Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course he does because it's his, it's his film. Exactly. What um, else is he going? He say? looks great. He had that, he that big beard. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just saw him with his big beard and a shaved head, and he looked great. Um, Will Ferrell was in a car accident, but is reportedly okay. I guess he's like, yeah. I, yeah. I at first I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. This is for Step Brothers. Bang. <laughs> uh, Kyle Chandler um, from Friday Night Lights is cast in Hulu's Catch Twenty Two. Weird. Is, which is interesting that they're that they're re- that they're doing a version of Catch Twenty Two Number One because it's such a product of its time. Yeah. Um, and to do it on Hulu, mm-hmm. you know. And then finally, uh, I just heard about this. Joe Bob Briggs is doing a twenty-four hour movie marathon over on Shutter. I don't have the date on it, but yeah. go to Shutter. They're, they're uh, picking I, it pretty I, hard. Joe Bob is is uh, I don't know, I I don't know if his career was ever to the point where you could say uh, 
he's having a comeback, but he is having a comeback. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's he's he like Elvira and and and, and Ronda Shear. And mm-hmm. like, there's that nostalgia thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, you're, you're looking at your book. Do you have anything, or you we're moving on? We're gonna move on. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to trailers. Uh, we'll just go down this list. Um, I I cut these down from 30 this week and I try, I tried to get them down to a manageable number and some of them were were, were actually so interesting that um, I kicked them to next week and we'll see if, if they remain on that list sure sure so first of all a, do- a documentary called Always the Carlisle it's a documentary on the Carlisle Hotel in yeah, New York yeah this is the kind of stuff I love I, I, I love I love stuff Just like famous that. people talking about the majesty of and the the allure of staying at a world famous time honored hotel. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. I, I'm super well, super. Gonna, you, you know, you know, there's going to be so many great stories. I mm-hmm. mean, um, George Clooney's in it. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it looks fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's a peek into that world. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, this is really interesting. There was a trailer released to this this week. Jim Carrey, Charlotte Gainsbourg, called Dark Crimes. Dude, it looks European, like almost Swedish. Yeah, like a crime. It reminded me of uh, Nicholas uh, Winding Refn's Pusher. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah, Good yeah, call. Yeah. It um, reminded me of that a lot. Uh, and it gives me it gives me the Jim Carrey that I know is there. You know, like it. It like the first. I don't know what was the first thing that we saw where it's like he's he's something different. The Truman Show, Majestic, mm-hmm. uh, where he's doing dramatic stuff. That guy's got it, man. He's a good actor. Yeah. Look at that num- memory. Even though the film is is dog shit, but that number twenty three or whatever. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. He was really good in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm into this. I I'm totally into it. Um. Next up. Doug Jones, Lance Hendrickson, in a special effects guy, Hiroshi Katagiri, uh, Gehenna, Where Death Lives. So, when it, uh, a couple years ago, when I was at uh, one of the Monster Paloozas, this was a this was a big thing. Um, 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 Hiroshi was really pushing this. Um, he he was doing a Kickstarter, mm. um, and I don't know if the Kickstarter was responsible for the feature length film or if it was a short, but he was doing some amazing. Um, it's a great setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where um, developers are coming in and they bought this land on this island. They're going to develop it, and they find it's a it's a hole in the ground that leads it's to like a chamber. An underground network. <clears throat> yeah, and they and at, the deeper they go in, the more creepy and weird. And yeah. I'm sure they end up getting lost. You know, and I remember it looks great. I remember um, the Doug Jones uh, 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 makeup. Mm-hmm for this and, and it's nuts it also reminded me of um, there was a small series of film called Outpost yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very much very so very much so um, new trailer for Han Solo with Star Wars Story it's it's almost like a like a greatest hits record like you, you, you know you see things like you know supposedly the Kessel Run is in the movie right. the, the winning of the Millennium Falcon so I just wonder how familiar this is all going to feel it's you know? it's you know it's Star Wars fans I'm going to say I'm going to back that up and say original Star Wars fans I think are going to love this oh movie. they're going to love it yeah um, I I I like the same thing that I like about the trailer 
is the same thing that I dislike about the trailer, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. at all. And that is that it 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 looks um it looks mundane. In other words, we're just with this guy going through his life. There's mm-hmm. like I don't see lots of big spectacular shots and stuff that's like They're maybe saving those. But even then it just seems like Orphan, check. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Swagger, check. I you know. I do like the actor. Uh, yeah. Uh, playing. I think the best trailer for this movie that I've seen is the fan-made one with Sabotage. Uh, yeah. You know, that <laughs> really gets you going. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do that. Yeah. And it fits in with everything. So anyway, you know, there you go. Uh, Coming-of-age movie with Timothy Chalamet called Hot Summer Nights. I bring this up because um, the direction on this is so super weird it's it's a guy's first film he yeah he, it's it's choppy it's hip it reminds me of like edgar wright mm-hmm. in a weird way and yeah. maybe even a little tarantino sure um very unique um uh, it's uh, on my radar and i want to see another trailer i want to see more about it right yeah yeah yeah. because yeah. it kind of also feels like the Timothy Chalamet's other movie, Call Me by Your Name, where it's yeah. like this coming of age thing, and it's like it is. A, it's a coming of age thing. He, he's he's kind of this nerdy, unhip guy who winds up becoming um, a drug dealer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and all that that entails. And it, right, it looks and very he's good at it. It seems like, and it's very choppy. It's very like, you know, um, uh, the the editing on it and mm-hmm. the whole feel of it is really weird. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, next up. Um, Terry Gilliam uh, directing Adam Driver, Jonathan Price, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Jesus Christ, finally. Yeah. Um, it's almost too long. Yeah. You know? Like, now I'm <laughs> well, yeah. kind of over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and with Gilliam saying some really moronic things in the press lately. Yeah. And, 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 and there, I, there was a story that, that yet again it wasn't going to get released, but, it, but apparently it is. And... Uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Like I just I want to see it. I'm very curious I, to I've see it. I've been waiting forever. I like the other thing. The oh my god, Lost in La Mancha. Lost in La Mancha is, is one of my favorite documentaries. So great, it's so good. Uh, next, uh, could you imagine like a special uh, 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 box set? You know, Lost in La Mancha, this movie, um, and then throw in Orson Welles. Uh, I have Orson Welles. Sure, throw in the musical yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. That'd yeah. be so cool. Um, next film, Elle Fanning, Maisie Williams, Mary Shelley. This sound, this feels like a female-empowered gothic. Yes. The Ken Russell film. Yes, 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 yes. It's the same story. It's the same story. Um, and uh, It's got a very cool vibe. It's in my wheelhouse, and, and, and I'll, I'll definitely be, be watching it. Um, I hope... I hope the audience is there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they are right now, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's very cool. Um, it's it, it's you know, I, I'm sure listeners of the show know the story about uh, you know the three the three or four of them four the of three them. the four of them hold up in this house and it's like we're gonna for write. the weekend. And yeah, I, it, it, there's lots of intrigue and hooking up. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, you know, but it produced Frankenstein. It produced. Uh, Barney the Vampire. Barney the Vampire, what you know, which which predated Dracula. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. It's I, it's cool. It looks it looks very bodicey, very sort of sure. Lots of running through fields in long petticoats and right. and 
you know. But I'm 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 kind of in. I like I'm, the vibe of it. I like the I I like that they're they're taking a moment to to look at the fact that she really did go and check out um you know what people were doing as far as like their reanimation experiments mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's putting the the the, the factual screws sure. to the story. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Up next, um, Jason Statham shark flick starring Ruby Rose, Rain Wilson, The Meg. Looks uh, like the same guy that did Jaws, right? The the same author, I want to say. Did Meg, was Meg written by Peter Benchley? I want to say it was. I can't remember. It's just a giant fucking shark, right? It's a huge shark, and and, and, it <laughs> and the thing is, is like my favorite thing is the fucking giant squid. Yeah, um, yeah the squid look cool. Yeah. It's like yeah, the shark is so big. It's no, it's it's almost no longer a threat in that it's too big. Yeah. Well, people are are plankton to it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's like laughs> but here's the weird part, and I didn't realize this until I dug a little deeper. It's being directed by John Turtletraub, who directed Cool Runnings, the phenom- or Cool Runnings, Phenomenon, and Disney's The Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fair, it looks, you know, there's been a lot of shark movies since Jaws, mm. um, and most of them I don't, I don't like, and most of them I don't care for. But, uh, uh, what is it, Deep Blue Sea? I'm looking specifically at you. It's funny. It, um, it's fun. It's yeah. ridiculous, but it's fun. Um, having said that, you know, going back to Jaws, it's the only movie that I can think of that has actually affected me as far as like. Sure. Uh, uh, phobias and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this thing, it just it just looks. <laughs> this thing is so big, and it's just so ridiculous that, yeah, it's gonna it's not quite doing sh- gonna do Sharknado kind right, of a right. thing, but I think it's you know there's some money behind it. There, and, and you know. There's some money. I mean, it looks good. Um, it, uh, and and I think the only way. The only way to make it work is, which it looks like they they are doing, is that it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Yeah, so embrace a little of that. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of a lot of money being thrown at something, Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter, Rihanna, Mindy Kaling, Mindy Kaling, and Aquafina, uh, in the, the Ocean's Eight trailer. Um. Out of all the trailers this week, this is the one that I just really don't... It's annoying. I don't care. It's annoying. Yeah, it's yeah, just... Yeah. It's like... I hate omnipotent criminals, and I hate... Yeah. Uh, and I just hate all of the... It just feels like pandering. Yeah. It feels like pandering, and, and and I... No one wants another Oceans movie. I, and and the I fact don't. that they give they give one they give it to a crew of women feels like pandering. It does. And giving them only eight members. It's like the expendables, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's oh. just, yeah, yeah. Up next, uh, Wilson Yip, who directed Ip Man, yeah. has a movie called Paradox with um, Louis uh, Louis Ku Yu Wu and Tony Jaa. Yeah. Um, I. I Fighting looks cool. The fighting looks cool. Um, it kind of looks like more of the same mm-hmm. from from Thailand. Um, I, I I I like seeing Tony Jaw as like an older guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, and yet still doing you know the same the same cool stuff. Um, 
there was a time when I would have been all over this. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's too many of them now. Exactly. Yeah. But it, but I mean, it looks perfectly serviceable as to for what it's supposed to be. Don't get me wrong. When it shows up on my feed, you're, or you're gonna check it out. I'll I'll watch the fight scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of it. Yeah. Um. Up next, Viking saga from the Netherlands called Red Bad. Interesting. Um, it looks like I first I thought it was there. They made a movie off of the Viking series. Right. It it really does look like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's dirty and gritty and yeah. A lot of langu- the languages in, in its native tongue. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, it's the it's the story of the church versus the pagans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, which sure, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Um, yeah. Looks low budget. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't look like there's a lot of money there, but that's okay because. I don't. I don't want a lot of flash in my Viking movie. And it, and it looks like they're shooting in the Netherlands, yeah. and it look, has this air of sort of cool authenticity. Authenticity, to it. sure. So let's see. Last two. Um, this one looks really good. The wife, Christian Slater, Glenn Close, Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price is being given a, a literary award, uh, uh, a Pulitzer or something, or Nobel Peace Prize or something. Right. Or that. And um, I gather from the trailer, although they don't flat out come out and say it, that Glenn Close's character um, actually wrote the shit. I don't know that it's a big eyes situation. I think it's like she's a writer too. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think she's probably a better writer. Mm-hmm. But because of the time, she was a woman and she put her career aside. Is this a true story? I don't know. It feels like a true story, it's a story. but, I, but it, yeah. I don't recognize. And then, um, but but this looks really good. Yeah, it's Glenn Close just tearing it up, yeah, and yeah, yeah. even Christian Slater is good. Yeah. And then the last one is my pick of the week, and that's this trailer for this movie. Anything, John Carroll Lynch, who played the clown in American Horror Story, he right. played. Um, he was on the Drew Carey show. He was the dad, the bald guy. Yeah, and he was the dad in. Um, um, uh, Paul. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Adam, he, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. So this tale is about a man who is in his fifties. It looks like sure. his wife has died in a car crash. Right. His daughter is kind of looking him over, mm-hmm. and he decides that he's going to move and live on his own. Right. When he moves and lives on his own, he meets a neighbor, and falls in love. Yeah. And falls yeah. in love with the person, and doesn't even. I think realize that this person that he's falling in love with is trans, right? And begins to bring, try to integrate that person into his life, his family, and and, and who aren't having it. No, yeah, 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 yeah. It looks great. It looks great. Yeah, I'm very timely. Very excited. Very important. Yeah. Um, The 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 actor playing um, the love interest Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I'm in. Yeah, I'm it, fucking in on this movie. It, yeah, looks it looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, what we've been watching? What do you watch? Um, with <laughs> with Rampage coming out, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, with Rampage coming out, um, you know, I, I've I've looked at the couple of different trailers uh, a couple of times, and it. It still it infuriates me more and more the more that I watch it because I know it's shit. I know it's shit. But you're gonna see it. But I'm so gonna see it. 
just for that just for that ape. Yeah. That all ape of the trailer all the reviews are saying like it's super dumb, but it's super fun. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, and 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 because of uh, because of the rampage trailer, I've gone back and I've watched King Kong. There you go. All three versions, like three times. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's interesting, though, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Was that it? Was that all of them? That's that, well. I'm That's still watching. I'm still watching Barry. I'm still watching the Terror, mm. um, oh, okay. which, which stays consistently great. Um, and uh, uh, I've watched. Oh, I watched another episode of The Alienist, which is good. You know, The Alienist is weird because uh, uh, I love the book so much, and and it's going to tie into what we've been reading too. Um, that uh, uh, I don't think any series is going to quite satisfy me. Mm-hmm. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It is sure. good, um, but it's just yeah. It, uh, I think that people discovering it as a as a TV show without having read the book are going to enjoy it more. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Uh, I haven't seen anything. I went back and watched a couple of things just because I felt like I needed to, and mm-hmm. that was um, Tarsem Sings the Fall oh, and um, oh. Curse of the Golden Flower. Man, I... No, I, 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 feel like, I feel like we could just do an entire podcast on the fall each week. It's yeah, so yeah. good. It's so beautiful. All of those, and I just needed that because I just was awash in a lot of, of ugliness yeah. at the time because of something I'm working on. And so I just sat and just did nothing but went, ooh. I need to see beautiful shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, they, were yeah, really, yeah. And they were really good. I, I, I really loved both of those films. Um, what are you reading? Um... So, being a huge fan of The Alienist, I bought, way back when, Angel of Darkness, which is the follow-up. Oh, right. Uh, Caleb Carr's follow-up to it. Um, but it sat on my shelf for years, and uh, I have just recently picked it up and started reading it. I, what I like about it is it's it's the, the, the point of view... It's the same characters, mm-hmm. but the point of view is from the, the, the street guy. I can't remember his name now. The the kid that is kind of oh, cool. an employee of the 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 the, the alienist and the uh, and the lady um, that's working with him. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a uh, uh, it's a little different. It's longer. Um, it's not as salacious, I guess. You know, um, but but it's good. Um, I, I'm I'm only just like in the first couple chapters, so okay. I'll let you know how it turns out. Uh, I'm still reading Don Hamilton's book, Death of the Citizen. I went out to a local bookstore yesterday. And Dude, you had a birthday. I had a birthday yesterday. Yeah. And we went, I went to the local bookstore and found um, a bunch of Don Hamilton. Nice. So I, I, I bought uh, The Vanishers, The Infiltrators, and The Devastators, all Matt Helm stuff. I'm really loving it. Um, I'm interested I keep hearing that Bradley Cooper is wanting to reboot Matt Helm which ah. I think it'd be great because uh, um, it would kind of work that would work yeah. yeah yeah. moving on to what we've been hearing anything you got music so coming? so there you know it's, it's been a big thing for the last week or two a lot of people are like you know share the share the albums yeah yeah yeah, yeah, share yeah. The albums I'm doing one that, of those right now that uh, uh, it's fun helps Make you who you are. Um, the albums that you can go back to and time and time do, again, yeah, yeah. And, and never get tired of. Um, so you know, there's a whole slew of them because uh, you do ten days of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I wanted to talk about today was Jimmy Driftwood's 
um, the Battle of New Orleans. Oh yeah, and how big this was! That was to, huge to my, you know, young Langley. Um, yeah, not so much that song, but the other songs off of there, like uh, "Unfortunate Man," um, "I'm Too Young to Marry." Um, you know, the unfortunate thing about and and it's like a lot of those guys. It's like I, I listened to those songs as a kid, and they they mean a lot to me. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until as an adult I I did some more digging and Jimmy Drift was a racist motherfucker. Um, it's kind of like Rolf Harris. Rolf yep. Harris is one of my favorite guys. David Allen Coe. Ever. Well, yeah, exactly. David Allen Coe has some early songs that'll blow your hair back. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, um, and it, you know, and it, and it brings you to that conversation of like, you know, doing that whole artist, you know, the art versus, yeah. you know, yeah. That separation uh, of being able to being able to go. I like Stranglehold, but Ted Nugent's a stupid motherfucker. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, at some point, it's hard though. I mean, and that's a line I think everyone has to make their yeah. I liked your response to that question recently. Is like it really depends. It really depends on the artist, and it really depends on and the how work. egregious it is. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think that it's. I think that it's ingenuine to have a knee-jerk response of like, "Oh, he's a motherfucker. I ain't, li- I ain't listening to any of it." Well, it's it's contextual. I mean, like if you're if you're growing up in in Alabama in the '60s and you're a country songs artist, there's going to be one or two questionable. Absolutely, in there. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't excuse it. No. And hopefully, you changed later in your life. Sure. Um, but it's so understandable. It yeah, like and and, and, and again, and it's the, it's your personal like. I know people that won't watch uh, 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 Roman Polanski movies because Roman Polanski right. is, of his history. Right. On the other hand, you know, there's a lot. To, there's some good. There stuff are great in there. movies. There's yeah, some good stuff like, in there. Yeah. So I don't know. Same thing with Woody Allen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. yeah. Although it seems like the only person that's really, really paid the price is Kevin Spacey. Is just gone He's, yeah. from Hollywood. Yeah. Just gone. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Me. Music. Earthless. Black Heaven. Very heavy, bassy. Sounds like like Black Sabbath's their favorite band. Um, well, you know, Black Sabbath's first name was Earth. Was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is very cool. That's very, very good. It's very fat bottom end stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh. Jim Pederick and Mark Schur, a record called Risk Everything. Um, I picked that up because this Mark Schur guy did a record with Jennifer Batten, who's a female guitar player who's a fucking monster. This Mark Schur guy may be the most untalented person on the planet. <laughs> it's like the the music he writes and That's plays, awesome. it's, it's like generic hair metal sure. and would have been generic back when hair metal was good right it's just super lame and to see Jennifer Batten get roped into the, any, any shenanigans with this dope is really hard to take album covers are cool it looks like it should be a great rock uh-huh. record and it's just not uh, Daniel Pemberton did the score to One Strange Rock for Nat Geo super good uh, Pemberton did Molly's Game and a couple of other things a group called Jukebox the Ghost. They have a, a record called Off to the Races. They have a 
They have a hit you, now you called some Everybody's record, Lonely yeah. is all over the radio, but this record channels Queen so heavily. It does. It's it's weird. It's kind of like it channels Queen for me it, it, uh, and um, Manhattan Transfer. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really weird. It's very, very, very similar. It's cool. And then just this morning, I listened to the new Damned record, Evil Spirits. Uh, it's poppy, super poppy. Reminds me of Raspberries, the, the the record Raspberries. I was talking to William, past guest William Faith today about it. Um, yeah, it's super poppy, super fun. If you like the Damned, you're gonna love this. If you don't like the Damned, you may not get why they have the aplomb that they do, but it's a solid record. Comedy rise, comedy wise, real quick. We're gonna just run through some names. Jen Kirkman has a new record out called Self Help. It's good. Sklar Brothers, uh, normally I don't like the Sklar Brothers, but their record, Sklars and Stripes, the tour tapes, what they did was they went through America on a tour, recorded everything they did, and then cut out five-minute pieces of every city, mm-hmm. and then lumped them all together into a record. Kind of like a greatest hits of the tour. Kind of, with them, but it's not a greatest hit you've ever heard before. Yeah, it's like, this worked, this got a good pop right. from the crowd. So well, see, we'll and, that. and that's what's weird about comedy, right, is like... If you're if you are uh, uh, Bon Jovi or the Cars, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm naming them because they this is also the weekend of the Rock Hall of Fame, and yeah. they've, they've both been inducted. Um, you go out and you's like, if nothing else, you do you know just what I needed and uh, sure. living on a prayer. You know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, got yeah. your greatest hits. A comedian can't do that. The, was... the 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 jokes that you told last year or mm-hmm. whenever, you can't tell them again. Well, to be fair, though, Brian Regan, who's mm-hmm. a super clean comic, he does he does his show, mm-hmm. and then when he leaves, you know, says, good night, everybody, and leaves, he comes back for the encore, and during the encore, he'll say, he'll he'll pull the crowd, like, what do you want to hear? And someone will go, like, do the bit on the refrigerator, and he goes, oh. all right, and so he does that. That way, he can, like, no one's going to be calling out That's the... That's weird. That's cool. The... the you know, it's like Chappelle used to get mad because uh, in the middle of his act, he'd be telling some story and someone would go, I'm Rick James, bitch. It's like, man, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you're stealing my energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a cool. But uh, there's that. Um, two big surprises. One was Sandra Battellini, Baby G's. This is a super Jersey, New York, Long Island kind of mm-hmm. comic. Super funny. And the big surprise for my week in comedy, a uh, record called Big Underwear, Louis Anderson. Hmm. It's really funny. It's, really? It's super funny. And I, I went into it going like, I'm not going to dig this. And it turns out it was the, one of the better, one of the best comedy records I heard this week. That's nice. Um, I wanted to mention um, that, uh, the, the you know, the Pearl Jam bassist Jeff Ament, um has a, a an album coming out called Heaven Slash Hell. Nice. Um, and I heard a cutoff of it, the name of which I don't remember. Really different. Mm. Really, That's really good. kind of very stoner rock. Oh, cool. Um, but it, it sounds a little bit, if you like Jack White, Okay. kind of sounds oh, like wow. that, which was really odd, you know, uh, oh. but very cool. Um, I don't know much more about it because it hasn't been released yet. Uh, but Jeff Ament, Pearl Jam guy, 
Um, yeah, before Pearl Jam, Green River and Mother Love Bone. So he's, oh, okay. he's been doing this. So a he's long been time. doing it a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right um, on. So something cool and that's and, very cool. Uh, different and not, not like Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what are you working on? You're just doing your work and doing your thing. Uh, for Crypticon. Right now, yeah. Right now, it's all uh, it's all about Crypticon. I I uh, uh, am. It's it's weird because like we you know we we have Crypticon right, but Crypticon also means bonus material podcast and Bleeding Hand to mm-hmm. me right. It's like. It's all of these things are like they're 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 kind of coming together and uh, and I love that yeah I love that that there's like for lack of a better word a community you know yeah 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 and and, yeah. and that's cool well I love the, um Crypticon again it's May fourth through six at the SeaTac DoubleTree right um uh it's always fun to go because it's always fun to um hang out people, with people yeah, that you yeah. don't normally mm-hmm. see. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, set the new book to the publisher, having the cover worked on as we speak. We're, cool. And, um, there are print, I have print copies of, of A String of Pearls, so there's that. Um, working on a new collection called, keeping with the Glenn Miller theme, Tuxedo Junction. Nice. And, um, I'm already two stories into that. Um, please go to my website for past, the past episodes. There are 170 something episodes of this show up, and they're all two to three hours. Right. Long. Some are even three, three, three and a half. Um, but, Some. Yeah. <laughs> but check those out. Um, we've got a lot of we've had a lot of cool people on this, and it's an yeah. honor to. to yeah, we've do got this. some really cool people. Really coming Really cool people yeah, yeah. coming up. Um, Somebody in particular, I've been talking to a lot, and they're really excited about coming up. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just got we just booked a couple of people that we can't talk about, yeah. but. Um, a lot of good artists coming up, and a lot of actors and filmmakers and stuff. So we're yeah. gonna we're gonna keep it coming. So go to the um, go to my site and please check it out if you would. Tom Carnella Comp. Um, uh, there's writing samples and audio interpretations of stuff, and there's all the podcasts. Um, Don't come to me for nothing. Leave uh, me the hell alone. Next week we have author Chai Clayton coming on. Yeah, she's, she's a, a they're, they're a writer who. Um, uh, does really interesting stuff. It's it's like collisions of, of things. There's like uh, martial arts action with the with the Native American Indian stuff yeah. and and sci-fi and and they're very very cool. Interesting. So that's it. Thanks again to Jonathan London. Uh, Jonathan's the best. I yeah. I love that guy. So um, we will see you next week for the Bonus Material Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell and I'm Langley West. Stay scary. What? Eat, kill.